welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful Grow Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. I'm so excited about today's message because this is a special message. I believe God's going to use this to be a catalytic day to move us as a church forward, forward into the next that he has planned for us. I'm so excited to get into that message. And and the reason why this conversation about his church really matters is because God's church is so important and what's at the heart of his church is critical. And what is at the heart of God's church? Erwin McManus said it well in his book on the church called Unstoppable Force when he wrote, deep within the heart of the local church is the heart of God. The local church cannot live without the heart of God pounding vibrantly within her. When a church loses the heart of God, she ceases to be the church. That that book had a big impact on my life as a young man as I read it. That book is all about the church, which is not an organization, but it's a living, breathing, moving organism, a a connected body of believers moving out into the world as an army, as an unstoppable force to bring the light and the love of Christ to our hurting world around us. And that's what the church should be about, and that's why this conversation on Next and on God's church is, is so critical for all of our lives, collectively and individually. Well, we've been going back to the early church to study what God had in mind for his church so that we know how to move forward together. And we're in this teaching series and we're studying in the book of Acts and we're in chapter five today. So if you'd like to power on your Bible or open up a Bible, follow along with us, we'll have all the verses here on the screen for you as well. But in Acts chapter five, the story begins in a very hostile environment. It's also been a very miraculous moment because God's people, his, his church, his apostles, they've been going out and, and, and God's been using them in supernatural ways. Miracles have been happening. Amazing things have been happening. People have been having their lives changed. Well, the religious establishment was not really excited about this. And you can see what happens in verse 17. It says, The high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Now, what an exciting and thrilling and dangerous start for the local church. You know, these church leaders are going out telling people about this new life in Jesus Christ and they're arrested for it, but then God does a jailbreak and lets them out, and they go, they go back after it. 
It says that they were instructed to tell people and continue to tell people all about this new life in Jesus Christ. The reason why the church is so critical to our world is because we've been entrusted with the message of Jesus Christ, the good news message of Jesus. And what is that message of new life? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. God radically transforms the human soul like nothing else on our planet can. You can clean up the outside, you can, you can get some new ideas, you can have some strategies, but nothing can transform a human soul like Jesus Christ who has the ability to forgive sins through his resurrection power, bring the dead back to life spiritually. Those who are, are literally dead to Christ are raised to new life in him. The old is gone and the new has come. It's transformation in every way made possible through our resurrected Savior. That's the good news of Jesus Christ and that's what the church should all be about. Now there's all kinds of life out there that people are pursuing Everybody's pursuing their best life. We're talking here about new life in Christ. But, you know, in our, in our days, it seems like everybody's out to get some kind of a, a new life. You know, there's, there's a hashtag that millions of people have used called living my best life. Like literally millions of people have posted something on social media and hashtagged it living my best life. And, and it's kind of entertaining to, to look at some of these. Like, you know, this guy, he says living my best life. But look closely at his dog. I don't know that his dog agrees that that's his best life. <laughs> Look at those eyes. You know, or this person that, you know, you've seen pictures like this where they're out and they're, it looks like they're alone and they're in this beautiful place. But you, you pause and you think about it. It's like you're living your best life. But what they did is they had to set up their tripod and get their camera all set. And then they walk down the, the path a little bit and then they get their picture. And then but that, well, they had to, of course, turn around and go get their phone and their tripod, pack it all up. And then at that point, do they carry all their gear and go ahead on that nice scenic walk all by themselves? Or at that point, was it just to get the picture so then they, they go back in, in the vehicle? Like, I don't know, maybe living my best life. I don't know. That's kind of funny. And then, and then you get pictures like this, like living my best life. But, but what is actually happening here in this best life? Are those hot air balloons? No, those are hanging from the wreath. What, what is the wreath all about? Man, living my best life. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And, and then pictures like this that it's, it's the best, but it's not quite perfect because someone's walking through the picture. Or, or this guy who has, you know, his friend, hey, get a picture of me laughing. I want a candid shot. <laughs> I mean, was that awkward at all, like the fake laughter? I don't know. Maybe it was real laughter, and they just, they just happened to catch it. But living my best life, everybody has an idea of what that looks like. Everybody has a vision of what their best life should be, what their new life should be that they're going after. But there is no life like new life in Jesus Christ. And there's no life that's better than new life in Jesus Christ. And, and not only that, but any version of living my best life that is not centered on a full life in Jesus Christ is not a best life. In fact, it's just a new version of an old life. The old life. And if living my best life is not aligned with new life in Christ, it is not the life to the full that Jesus promised. And, and, and no matter what kind of life I can seek to live or what, what pursuits I have or interests that I chase, if it's not centered on Jesus Christ, it's not worth giving my one life to. You know, the devil is a liar. And he lies to people all the time about what life could be like for them. 
And he, and he dangles things in front of us. And, and he lies and he says, hey, if, if you just live for, for riches, and, and, and people buy into the, to the get rich message, but if, if you buy into the get rich message and that's what you're living your life for, then you miss out on the deep riches of life in Christ that are eternal. And, and then he's got his message that you, you, the you can do this message. And he dangles that out there for people like, hey, just, just come on and, and, and you can do this. You can live your best life. It's, you can do it. Just try harder. Work harder. Pull your life together. Learn some new things. Like, you can do this. Live your best life. But that's also a lie because no matter what you can do and how good of a life you can do, You'll never exceed what God can do when you place your life in God's hands. The life that God can allow you to live as you walk with him is better. Any life in God through Jesus is better than any life that you can live without God. In the long term, God's ways are always better. And then he's got the be happy message. And he dangles that lie out there for people too. And he says, hey, you can buy into the, the, to the live a happy life message. But that's also a lie because if you buy into that, I can live a happy life and everything I do is to make me comfortable and make me happy and make me feel good. That's actually a lie. That's not the best life. That's not living your best life. There's actually more for you. There's a well that runs a lot deeper. That's, that's living for an eternal joy, an unending joy that's founded only in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and that's a much better life, a much fuller life that comes only through faith in Jesus. And so no matter what the best life is that's dangled out there in our world and, and that's tempting for you, I just want you to know today that this new life that they were preaching about in the early church, that is available to us and there's no life better than new life in Jesus Christ. And the devil is a liar. In fact, it says in the Bible that he's the father of lies. Think about that. He's the, he's the father, the manufacturer of lies and he's always lying and he tirelessly tempts believers to give into the world's lies that you can live your best life and keep Jesus on the sidelines that he can just be a part of your life an aspect of your life a status that you claim yet you can go live the ways of the world and still have your best life and the truth is you cannot have your best life without Jesus Christ one Christian author said that sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Temptation is really just a destructive lie wrapped in a pretty wrapper. And there's so many wrappers that the devil loves to surround his lies with to get us to bite into them. But the truth is there is no life as good as new life in Jesus Christ. And I just want to remind you of that because a lot of people, they find that new life in Jesus, but then they, they think, well, that's not enough. I'm going to go, I'm have to go build a good life on top of that. I'm going to have to go out into the world to find the, the full life that I really need. And the truth is that, that Jesus is all that you need. And the more that you can center your life on and focus your life on Jesus and new life in him and allow him to continually make your life new in him and the richness and fullness of spending time with him and knowing his word and growing to understand it and knowledge and wisdom, and then walking with him through prayer and worship and everything that you do. And then immersing yourself into the life of his church and his body. The, the more that you center your life on Jesus, I'm telling you, that's the new life that they were talking about in the new church. And, it, and when the early church launched, that was their message. It wasn't Jesus plus do all these things. It was just Jesus. Like this is what you need to have a transformed and full life. And I put it this way in your notes today, that I can only live my best life 
if it's centered on new life in Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only way. One Christian leader had been visiting a friend in the, in the, in the prison, and this friend got out of prison, and, and he was the first, first phone call that he made to this Christian leader. And he said, hey, uh, thank you for visiting me in, in prison. I, I'm so grateful that I'm out now. I feel so good to be out. And, and this leader asked this man that had just been newly released, he said, well, what's the first thing that you noticed after being in prison for so long and, and being released? And this man said, well, I noticed that I have pockets now. It just feels so good to have pockets. It wasn't the most life-changing thing, but it was just interesting. He said, I have pockets. And he said, well, why, why is that the first thing that you noticed? And he said, well, because in prison we weren't allowed to have pockets because they didn't know what we would be carrying around and concealing in our pockets. So now that I have them, it's something different. And, and with much wisdom, this Christian leader said back to him over the phone, he said, well, now that you're free, be careful of what you put in those pockets. And what a great message for all of us to be careful of what we carry around. Because once you have been set free in Christ, it's still possible to pick up the habits of our world, to start consuming the ways of the world and drift away from that life that's centered on Jesus, that best life in Christ, that new life, that free life, and start carrying around the ways of the world and mixing them in with the ways of God. And those two don't mix. And we, we develop an apathetic, casual faith, and we wonder why we're cold and our, our prayers are, are not as powerful as they could be. And we, we wonder why we struggle spiritually and we drift. And, 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 it, and a lot of times it's because what we're carrying around with us is the ways of the world. And Jesus says, if you want this life of freedom, you got to walk in it. you got to stay close to me. you got to give yourself to me and surrender your life to me to the full. Well, now that God has set us free, there's a process. There's a process of maturing. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be victories and there's going to be losses. There's going to be times where you feel like you're on the mountaintop. And then there's going to be moments where you feel like you've just slid back down the side of the mountain. But following Jesus is a lifelong journey, much like an infant that grows into a toddler, that grows into an elementary school child, and then to a middle schooler and a high schooler and a college student and so on. There's this progression that happens over time. There's a lot of good and bad days throughout those years. There's a lot of ups and downs and broken bones and graduations, and there's wonderful moments and terrible moments. But all along, there's this growth. There's this trajectory of development physically. And in the same way, God wants to develop us spiritually. He wants us to be growing even through the, the low moments and the, and the struggles to keep taking steps forward to mature spiritually, to become more dependent upon him every day. You know, one of the eye-opening things that a mentor of mine, Pastor Kevin Myers, taught me uh, years ago, it's just stuck with me. He said, you know, our spiritual maturity happens inversely to our physical development. Physically, when we start out and we're born as young children in our parents' home, we're very dependent on our parents. But then as the years go by, we come, become more independent. And we get the car keys and we can go drive on our own. And then we get our own apartment keys and we can go out and live on our own. We come, become more independent. But spiritually, the exact opposite happens. On our own, spiritually, when we're spiritually immature, we're very independent from God. We make decisions based on whatever we feel like doing. We, we go wherever we want to go. We do whatever we want to do. We live on our own, not really dependent on God day to day. We're, we're living for ourselves in our own power. But as you grow spiritually and as the years go on and you keep walking with Jesus and you experience that new life and over and over again, you start to learn that, man, God, God has everything I need. 
He's all that I need, and he has all the power that I need, and, and I'm dependent upon him. If I really want to live my best life in Jesus, then I need him, and I become more and more increasingly dependent upon him. He still gives me a role to play, but I, I wake up every day and say, God, I need you. God, lead me. God, guide me. It's a dependency on him that strengthens and empowers us to live this new life in a very secular world that we're surrounded by. Well, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I just want to speak some encouragement, but also a challenge to you, and that's to say that God has more for you. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey and your development, God has more. So don't think that, that what you've experienced in the past has to define your future. Don't, don't let your past define your future. Wherever you've been spiritually, for good or bad, God has more for you. Even for seasoned believers, many of us have been walking with God for years. And listen, there's more that you have not yet tapped into. So keep, keep moving forward in, in your faith journey. Erwin McManus, in that book that I mentioned earlier that had such an impact on my life, I want to read a couple more quotes from it today. That, that book called Unstoppable Force about God's church. Something that marked me, he said, it's as if God is trying... All he's trying to do is stop us from sinning. That, that's not the only goal. He says, those of us who've walked with Christ know that there's, there's more. We know that beyond being greedy is being generous. Beyond lying is being truthful. Beyond pride is humility. Beyond slander is encouragement. It's not enough to put off the old life. We must put on the new life. All of us are encouraged when we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit born in our lives as followers of Jesus, reconfirming the work of God in the human heart. See, the, the heartbeat of the church is God's heart. And when God's heart's beating in you and your life is changing and you're becoming more dependent upon Him and as you walk closer with Him on a daily basis, man, it's transforming in your life and it touches others' lives. It's a beautiful thing to watch. But it's so much more than just accepting and receiving the gift of salvation. That's beautiful. That's transformational, and you have to start there. But that's just the beginning of a lifelong journey of growth. So where are you today in your journey? Church, where are you? Where are some areas where you need to grow and become more dependent upon Him? Where have you traded out this new life that you should be walking in, this life of freedom? Where have you, where have you started to slide back into captivity of the world and being stuck in sin and sliding away from what you know is what God wants of your life. Repentance means to turn away from and turn back to God. Maybe today is the day for somebody who's hearing this message to say, you know, I, I had that new life and it was so fresh and so special to me, but, but, I, but I didn't own it. I didn't, I didn't walk in it every day and I, I've started to drift back into captivity. I started to go back towards the ways of the world. Repent means to turn around, to simply turn back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you and I want you. Well, that message of repentance is exactly what the early church was preaching. It's what landed them in jail. And it's what, it's what God commanded them to go back out on the street in this hostile environment and to start preaching once again the message of new life. Let's pick up the story again in verse 21 of Acts chapter 5. It says, At daybreak they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priests and the associates arrived, they, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. 
So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Verse 25, then someone came and said, look, the, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and they were made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. He says, we gave you strict orders. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. They were threatened. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. All right, this is meant to be an accusation, but I think it's incredibly inspiring. They went right back to preaching and teaching about Jesus. And those who didn't want them to preach said, hey, you filled Jerusalem with the teaching about Jesus. You've, you filled the area. Even though we threatened you and warned you not to do it, you filled this area with the teaching about Jesus. I just love that. It's such a beautiful statement. They filled the area with the teaching about Jesus. So the other night I was walking through our house and I came across our kitchen table and there was this glob of slime on it. It was a kid's toy, it was this toy slime and, and it, was, it was all there like oozing over the edge of the table. You know, the table apparently was slightly uh, uneven and so the hours that had gone by since we had prayed and tucked them into bed before we went to bed, th that slime started kind of oozing slowly off the edge of that table. And it was dripping down onto the seat next to the table. And then from there, it was just about to drip down onto the floor when I walked by. It was slowly spreading. It was slowly expanding. And, and what I love about the gospel message of Jesus Christ is that when one life is changed and touched, that it inevitably starts to spread. It, it powerfully starts to move into other lives. And one life that's transformed and changed tells another life. And then one person who steps up to teach about Jesus, it spreads to others who teach their friends about Jesus. And, and here in the early church, if you look at Acts chapter 13, verse 49, it says the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. I mean, I love that. It just, it just slowly started to spread. It just oozed out. It, it transferred from life to life. It's, it's spreading until it filled the whole region. You know, your goal and my goal as a church, as the body of Jesus Christ in this world, our goal should be to fill the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of news out there, and there's a lot of bad news. But the best news, the good news is the message that we have that, that you can be forgiven of your sins, adopted into the family of God through Christ and his, his resurrection power. What could God do if you and I took on this mission and we started to dream a little bit bigger? What if we started to pray a little bit harder? What if we started to work a little bit longer? What could God do if you and I, if God's church would roll up our sleeves and say, we're not content just to be a church, to have a church building, to meet in church services, to do stuff that church people do. Now, we're not content with going through the motions of being what people consider a church. We want to be an unstoppable force that God uses to spread the good news 
and every place that we could possibly go? What if, what if God wanted to use us to spread the message of his love and forgiveness and grace, his compassion, his mercy, his hope? What if he wanted to use you and I to take that message out into our workplaces, into our apartment complexes and neighborhoods? What if God wanted to use you in greater ways? I'm telling you, he does in greater ways in this next season than he is now. I believe that's what God wants to do. He wants to use us to share the message of Jesus with our world that so desperately needs it. Unfortunately, a lot of people spend their days dreaming only about things that are of self-interest. What benefits them? How do you know if you've got caught up in this trap of the world to just dream your own dreams and dreams that you can do in your own power that only benefit you, that are only for your glory? How, how do you know if you get caught up in that? Well, there's a good test. The test is this. If all the dreams that you have in your life right now, if you and I sit down over Starbucks and we're talking, I say, hey, well, you know, what dreams do you have for the next five or ten years? If, if God were to bless you and answer every prayer, answer every dream, would this world be different? Would lives be transformed? Would more people be in heaven because your dreams were fulfilled? In fact, I put it this way in a statement if you want to write it down, this question. How would heaven change if all my goals were completed? If God fulfilled every goal that you have in your heart, every dream in your heart, how would heaven be changed? That's the real test. Because if heaven is, is no different, if eternity has not been altered because of the dreams that God's put in your heart, then you're probably dreaming dreams that only benefit you. It's not a new problem. In fact, in the early church, in Philippians, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, wrote these words. He says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Imagine what would happen if a whole church said, hey, we're not going to be in this for what's in it for us. You know, each of us have our own lives and we, we have careers and, and all that, but, but we're not here just to accomplish career goals or to travel to certain places to attain various achievements and accumulate things of the world. But no, we're about sacrificing our one life so that other people can experience new life in Jesus. What could God do even with a handful of people who are so radically committed to the message of Jesus? What could he do? You know, a question that I'll put to you today is whose interest am I most interested in next? Whose interest? Is it my interest or is it the interest of God? You know, our, our church experience, family, we, we have goals. And one of the reasons why today is such a special message, and I'm so excited for you to hear this message today, is because I want to share with you some of the goals that we have for this next season. We have no idea long-term in the future what God wants to use us for in his kingdom. We just want to be faithful to follow. But in this season, we feel like God's given us our next. Like, here's the next thing, the next goals that I have for you as a church. And, and I want to share those with you. Some of them are here and some of them are beyond. And, and, and there's three goals that we have for here. How, how we want to see God use us more here right now to expand his kingdom. And, and we're going to get you a handout on this so you can be praying this through with us and pouring your life into these things. But one is we want to help CE people and people in our community who are in need. You know, we've had a really rough year, as we all know. And so there's people in physical need. And Jesus talks so much about helping the poor. And we want to help people with financial assistance. We want to provide free Christian counseling or Christian counseling scholarships for those who can't afford Christian counseling. We want to do things like that to help people in need. So we, we want to ramp that up. 
locally. We want to bring some campus improvements to our local ministry here to improve our, our campuses, not just the properties, but the ministry that's happening so that we can more effectively and, and in a higher quality way serve people and influence people towards Jesus in a healthy way. And then number three, locally, we want to make a bigger investment in the next generation. Because if we're thinking about what's next, we've got to be thinking about the next generation. Because we're eventually going to hand the baton off and they'll be leading the church and they'll be leading the church to touch lives that you and I will never meet. And so we want to have a bigger investment in our kid experience ministry and our student experience ministry, among others, to invest in the next generation. But we don't want to just multiply God's kingdom here. We care passionately about that, but we want to multiply God's kingdom beyond. And so we have three goals that, that if God's in it, that we would want to run after with everything we got. And one is that we want to see God multiply what he's done here at Church Experience beyond. And, and our vision is to see at least one new campus of church experience in, in, the, in the months and possibly in the years ahead. At least one new campus. And, and many of you know that we're working on a campus in Wesley Chapel. And we have a lead pastor there, Brandon and Cassie Hughes and their four kids. And they're moving here to Florida this month. And they are preparing to build up this launch team that we've assembled in the location that we have uh, right off the highway, right, right in Wesley Chapel. And and, and our vision is to see more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ in this rapidly growing community. A community that needs more churches as they add subdivision after subdivision after subdivision. And already in a very unreached, spiritually lost area where more people are moving, we need more churches. And we're, we're with God's help, going to multiply ourselves and birth a new church campus in that area. And we're dreaming big and saying, well, God, what if you, what if you wanted to use us to start more campuses beyond. And then the second thing that we envision is in the, the next few years is we want to multiply ourselves beyond church experience and we want to help plant a new independent church from church experience. And so there's a great church down in Miami that you're going to hear more about in days ahead that we have committed to and partnered with and say, hey, we want to support you. Just like other churches supported us when we were in a living room and when we were to school and we were just getting started, we want to support you. And so we've made a significant financial commitment. We intend to send missions trips down to help them get started, to coach and encourage and pray for. We want to help that new church get off the ground in the city of Miami so that more people can experience a life in Jesus Christ down there. And then also as a church, we want to, we want to again reach those who are in need, those who are physically in need. And, and so we want to ramp up things like serve our cities. Here in Florida, you know, with hurricanes that periodically come through and other natural disasters that happen throughout our country and, and beyond, we want to be postured to help in disaster relief. We want to help when there's financial crisis or Christian counseling scholarships, even for people in our community. And so what we want to do beyond is we want to build up our compassion fund so we're postured to help people who are physically in need in any opportunity that God gives us that we feel like we should move on. And so these things, both here and beyond, to help people in need to expand ministry and improve quality and invest in the next generation and reach out and multiply with a new campus, a new church plan. We just want to make ourselves available and say, God, in the next season ahead, these next months, these next few years, use us. We're not content. We're not content just to, to go through the motions and have church services. God, we are at your service. And we want you to work through us in ways that would just clearly be evident that that was only God. That was not man. That was, that was God. So God, please use us. And, 
Those of you who are watching online, we're going to get you this booklet, too, that we're handing out to everyone in our live services this weekend and, and our in-person services. And we're going to get that to you, too, over email or mail. And we'll make sure that you get a chance to look that over and pray with it, too, because there's a really important thing inside that booklet that you're starting to get and to look at. If you're in our in-person services right now, that, that booklet inside of it, you'll see that it has a commitment. And we're asking our church to help fund financially, not only with your prayers and your service, but financially sacrifice and fund these initiatives that we're going to move on as a church. And there's, there's really two asks there, and they're both big ones. It's between now and December 31st, we as a church would like to raise $100,000 above and beyond our normal giving to fund these initiatives both here and beyond. The amazing thing is that a Christian businessman outside of church experience has visited our church multiple times but does not attend our church regularly, has, has come alongside and said, I believe in what you guys are doing and I want to invest in it. And I will give a $50,000, up to a $50,000 matching gift on December 31 if you guys raise up to $50,000 for this next initiative. And so that's an incredible God thing. And so we, we want to manage that well. And for those of you who are, are able to and willing to make a sacrificial significant gift between now and December 31, or maybe a series of smaller gifts, that will help us reach that first initial goal that will really allow us to move forward in a significant way. Steps like Wesley Chapel, getting that off the ground and all the things that we need to do to get that ramped up here in short order. Those initial funds will move the vision forward faster here in the days ahead, especially with that matching gift. And then in the next three years, starting in January of this coming year, we're asking every individual and family to consider giving an above and beyond gift, beyond their normal giving. And it's equal sacrifice, it's not equal giving. Some can give more and some can give less, but we all want to sacrifice together. Making a sacrifice, maybe cutting back on some meals out or a hobby or somewhere other way, tightening the budget so that you can give a little bit more to God's kingdom so that we can accomplish these initiatives together. So that we can look back a few years from now and say, wow, look what God did because of our collective sacrifice. So starting in January, we're asking you to consider is building into your budget above and beyond your normal giving. Not just moving giving from what you're doing now to the next fund, which we're going to have a whole fund set up. You can see it now on our website. You can, you can go ahead and mark it even as of today on, on the memo line of a check or an envelope. You can go ahead and give to that. But if you just move it from other, your other ties that are funding all the ministry we're currently doing, it really is just trading out the areas of ministry that you're supporting. So we're asking you to give a new gift above and beyond what your current giving is if you are giving or giving a new gift if you're not giving to this next initiative on a monthly basis beginning in January. All of us can give now. All of us can do something to fuel this vision forward. At the very least, I'm asking you personally to pray, to pray that God does wildly beyond what any of us could ask or imagine so that more people can experience a full life in Jesus Christ. And as we step out together, I think we're all gonna be blown away to see what God does. Right on, right on. Well, as we close this message today, I, I want to read to you one final passage from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we'll put the verses for you up here on the screen. But this is to answer the question for anyone who's ever wondered, is it okay to set goals? Like, should I have goals in my life? I don't know if I'm a goals person or not. We have a collective kingdom goal. And I want you to see this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Everybody say goal. Come on, say goal. <laughs> Not that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus 
took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the what? Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has a goal for each and every one of us to live this new life to the full in Christ. And that when we finish our race here on earth, he will welcome us home and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Welcome to the much of eternal life in paradise that I have waiting for you for all of eternity. And my hope is to be faithful in everything that God entrusts to me to manage. To say, God, I want to give my all to you and press on toward that heavenly goal so that in this life, God, your name can be lifted up. Jesus, your name can be glorified so that more lives are in heaven one day because you work through our lives here on earth. I hope that you'll join us. And I'm going to leave you with a closing question as we launch out into this next season together. The question is, am I personally, personally pressing toward kingdom goals? I know you have goals. I know you're in a chase. You're in a pursuit. But is what you're pursuing with your one life going to last when you've breathed your last breath on earth? I want to live my one life on earth for things that are eternal, for things that are going to last. And I'm going to invite you to join me and join us as a church family to go on an adventure, a kingdom adventure together of helping more people experience the fullness of life eternal in Jesus Christ. One more time, I'll ask you. Right on, right on. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together, whether we are gathered in a, a living room or we are gathered in an auditorium or a chapel. God, we're together, united in heart and mind and soul as a, as a church under the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that we have this exciting mission to go and help more people discover this great news. And we pray that you would empower us as a, as a local church to, to go out into our communities and, and to be effective to see results, to see transformation in people's lives, to help those who are in need. God, use us to expand your kingdom both here and beyond so that more people in this next season can experience this full life in Jesus Christ that we have now. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lead us as we move forward into your great next for us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.
Okay. 